Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Choi, CEO of the Food Institute. Today, I'm joined by Brooke Stewart of Power Moms Media and Robin Carter of Jump Rope Innovation. And we'll be discussing a new trend on how food companies are leveraging social media influencers in new ways for not only product research and development, but also in increasing brand awareness and sales. But before we get started, I'd like to ask all of our listeners today to share this episode within your networks. It's a huge help to us. And I wanted to thank everyone who's done so before. If you are new to the podcast, please follow, like, and share as it extends our reach, and we really appreciate it when you do so. So with that said, I'll welcome Brooke and Robin to the show. How are you? Excited to talk with you today. Yeah, likewise. Um, so to kick things off, um, can you both share a little bit about yourselves and about your companies? And maybe we could start with Brooke first. Sure. Um, So I'm Brooke Stewart. My company is Power Moms Media. We have a network of about 2,500 influencers nationwide that we work with with brands to put together great campaigns. I'm Robin Carter. My company is Jump Rope Innovation, and we work with brands to understand consumer and category trends and to put those things together in service of smart, meaningful innovation, activation, and communication. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited to have you on the Food Institute podcast today. Um, So the first question, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit about influencer marketing and the impact that uh, influencers have had in the food industry. And so the first question is, you know, related to an e-marketer study that I recently read, and it was predicting that brands will spend upwards of $15 billion on influencer marketing by 2022. Can you share a little bit about the factors that have led to influencers reaching this type of impact on consumer behavior? Yes. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into that type of impact that we're seeing with influencer marketing. Um, But a few that I want to highlight is consumers want to control the content and they can do that thanks to social media. They can decide what uh, channels they want to download onto their phones. They can decide who they want to follow. And from there, they're really curating the content that they want to look at. So there's that there's also that influencers are a trusted source of information. It's no longer a brand just talking to you. Um, it's it's an opportunity for an influencer to give that branded message and put that out there. So I think that's a really interesting point in that we're having that trusted voice is really becoming a key component in a marketing campaign. And then the third piece is just this um, low low cost to entry, right? It's a it's a low barrier. A lot of brands can can participate in this that may have not been able to do so with larger marketing platforms before. Yeah, I think there's also you know in terms of why. I think brands are turning to influencers more, you know, there's also that trust piece, right? So we know that, um, you know, we're sort of living through or have lived through this era of um, fake news and consumers really being skeptical and really wanting to scratch beneath the surface to understand like who is sending me this message? What is their intent? Is it real? Can I believe it? And I think we're seeing more and more consumers turning to influencers and specifically to micro-influencers to deliver them trusted information. And I saw um, a stat from a survey from Business Wire from this time last year saying 61% of consumers are likely to trust recommendations from a friend, family member, or influencer on social platforms, while they're only, only 38% are likely to trust recommendations directly from a brand. So I think it's really an interesting time where, you know, it used to be the brand was sort of in control of the message, and now it's more consumers or influencers who are in control of the message and consumers looking to those influencers as trusted sources of information. 
Got it. How does influencer marketing fit in the context of other traditional marketing strategies? Um, do you see influencer marketing gaining share uh, relative to the other forms of marketing alternatives? Yes, I definitely do. I think it's another tool, though, in a marketing you know, person's toolkit, right? So I think that traditional marketing isn't going to go away, but there is this um, you know, moment where influencer marketing is going to take a larger share because of a lot of the reasons we just talked about. And I think that that piece of having everyone can participate in it, right? And it is that a moment to have that special opportunity where you can reach your consumer where they are. And I, I think that's a, a moment for brands that they've never been able to have before, um, you know, prior to influencer marketing. Right. Yeah, that's a fascinating point. You know, re recently, you know, we've seen several large food companies um, engage influencers and celebrities to help promote their products. You know, one example is, you know, obviously with, with McDonald's partnering with musicians like Travis Scott and Jay Balvin, and more recently with BTS, in promoting celebrity branded meals. Um, what does this new type of celebrity or influencer marketing tell us about the way companies are reaching and engaging with their consumers? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because celebrity endorsements, right, aren't new, right? That's something that's been around for a long time, right? But I think that the way that marketers are leveraging celebrities has changed. So what we see now are celebrities sort of being integrated into what the brand is doing. So it's not just that, you know, here's the face of this new campaign. It's what is Travis Scott's hamburger like and how do I get that, right? Because consumers, that fourth wall has kind of come down for consumers through social media. So you can interact directly with celebrities. You can see more of their daily lives. And now you can do more of what they're doing, especially when it's brought to you at an accessible price point, like uh, something from McDonald's, right? So I think brands are, are being um, really creative about how to use celebrities in a way that, um, that feels more meaningful and more tied to their brand than just kind of putting the face of someone, you know, on their advertising. Yeah. And I, I think what's interesting too, when I thought a little bit about this new celebrity angle is it's really what we've been doing with micro influencers for a long time now. It's right. It's creating authentic content, letting them bring this product into their home and then asking them to use it in their real life and then create great content around that. Right. So that's been what the assignment is sort of great influencer marketing has been for this this period of time. And so what I think is so fascinating is, you know, that works so well because it is authentic. Right. It's, it's bringing this product into their lives and you're hearing about it in a way that you're like, wow, that person's really using that in the same way that we're seeing. OK, wow, that's really Travis Scott's meal. Um, and, and so I think that's, it's a really interesting way in which we're, we're seeing this sort of transcend almost from the bottom up. Right. Yeah. I love your point about authenticity and I'd love for both of you to share what, you know, maybe define what is inauthentic, uh, marketing versus authentic marketing. And maybe even, even another definition is what is an influencer marketing versus micro influencer marketing? Yeah, I, I would say the influencer and the micro piece. Um, so the micro influencer is um, really on that smaller scale. And it run, you can read uh, many different articles about this. It really runs the gamut of what their followers are. But I like to say they're somewhere in that, you know, several thousand followers to, you know, up to the, you know, 30 to 40K kind of thing. So that's sort of what we um, at Power Moms look at what a micro is and then sort of in that 50K 
Plus, we're looking at um, a more of a bigger influencer. Um, and, and so then when you get to that million plus, you're really looking at that celebrity, um, component of an, of an influencer. So there's certainly definite, you know, tiers in there. Um, but I would say that micro is, is that under 50 K. Yeah. And to your question about, about authenticity, um, so you're asking, you know, what is an example of, of something that feels authentic or inauthentic? Um, I think one example of something that feels authentic is when a brand um, embraces a cause or a message and drives that through their platforms on an ongoing basis, an ongoing consistent basis. And I think that's so critical to the way that brands are communicating, um, you know, through social media and through other channels that they're doing it all the time, that it doesn't just feel like a money grab, right? So there are lots of examples, and you'll see those on social media too, of brands that may be engaged during Pride Month with a Pride message and never say anything else about that the rest of the year, right? It feels really inauthentic. Right. And the brand gets called out for doing it. You're almost better off not saying anything if you're not going to say anything with me something with meaning and really carry it through, you know, everything you do. I mean, you know, Ben and Jerry's is a client of ours, and I really respect the way that they, you know, embrace their purpose, their message, and are consistent with it over time. Yeah, well, that's very helpful. And I think I think your point about, you know, having having these companies really really share what they're what they're really um, embracing in terms of their own values, right? And you can see that in all forms of their of their marketing. And I find it very interesting that, especially with this whole ESG movement, all of a sudden because because it's all over the news. I, I've seen a lot of companies just come out there and, and they're pro ESG. They, they make all these statements, but you kind of look behind, you know, underneath the surface, and they really haven't done much in terms of their own corporate philosophy in in, uh, in ESG. And so I think that that your point about authenticity is such a huge point, and uh, and especially as we're talking about influencer marketing, I think this is a way that companies can really engage with with influencers that actually share the same values that they do. I think the the important piece too is it's not just the brands that need to be authentic, it's also the influencers, right? And right. so it has to be believable that they are actually going to consume that product um, and experience that product. So if it's a health nut that only talks about the latest workouts to then post about McDonald's would feel very inauthentic. And so you <laughs> need to make sure that you're picking the people that don't just have a high following count or don't just have high engagement, but actually have a believability that, yes, that person is, that could be the face of my brand. My next question is, you know, in 2015, Power Moms Media and Jump Rope Innovation teamed together um, to, uh, to form It Factor. Um, can you guys both share what It Factor is and how um, both of you engage companies um, through the, the It Factor platform? So It Factor is a richer form of qualitative research where we speak with influencers the same way that we would speak with consumers, oftentimes through um, focus groups or one-on-one -on -one interviews. And we go a little deeper, but we're but here we're we're speaking with influencers, oftentimes for the purpose of innovation. So we know that when our clients, you know, mostly food companies, a lot of uh, consumer packaged goods companies, we know when our clients are filling their innovation funnels that they're planning for two years down the road and even further, right? And so when we're talking to influencers, we're talking to people who are living in that future world, who are really forward facing, who are on the cutting edge of what's happening 
who can tell us a little bit about what the world's going to look like at the time when our client's products will actually make it to the shelf. So they're really super interesting. Um, it's really super interesting to talk to influencers when we're working on innovation product projects in particular, um, because they sort of are living in this, in this future world. Um, when we started it factor, it really sort of came from, you know, Brooke and I meeting each month and talking about our businesses and, you know, bringing each other new ideas and new thinking. Um, but then thinking about, you know, this is just a really interesting audience, a, a really interesting potential resource for us to use for, for research, you know, these influencers that have their sort of eye on the future, you know, in addition to having their eye in the future, they're also in a constant feedback loop with their followers, right? With their tens of thousands of followers. And that's why the micro-influencer piece is important, right? They're not celebrities who are sort of out of touch, maybe a little bit with what's happening at the ground level. They're real people, right? Who are really passionate about these topics. They're so engaged with their followers. They're hearing about the pain points. They understand what the new asks are. They understand how people, you know, how people's lives are changing, I think, especially through this time. So being able to um, get their feedback about, you know, roles of brands or opportunities for brand stretch or other things like that, you know, really valuable uh, talking to influencers for, the, for those reasons. And we said, let's just, let's try it. Let's see what happens and, and how it works. And it's worked really well for our clients so far. That's great. Can you share some examples of, of companies or types of companies that you have worked for, uh, particularly in the food space? So just this week, uh, we're working with an iconic brand um, that's having some challenges with being relevant um, in our changing world as consumers are making different choices, you know, in their diets as the as sort of the the population is changing. Um, and so we're working with influencers to understand, you know, how this brand can be more relevant in our modern worlds, everything from flavors to packaging to messaging and communications. And that's been really fascinating. The clients um, are really uh, sort of at the edge of their seats listening to these these influencer chats as they're uh, talking about their brands. Got it. And, and for that particular project, Robin, how many influencers have you engaged for, for this particular client? So for this project, I think we've surveyed about 20 influencers, and then we have uh, 10 engaged in our um, online chats. Brooke, uh, can you share another example of a, of a company that, you've worked, that you guys have both worked with in the past? Yeah, so we've also worked. I think what's also interesting in this um, this piece is while it's fascinating to get these insights right and predict the trends, we've also been able to execute marketing programs with these brands after the fact. And I think that long term um, relationship that we've been able to build and a little bit of the brand being able to say, you know, "I appreciate you. I'm listening to you. You are heard," is given these influencers incredible content to create. We're seeing like incredible stuff happening and really high performing campaigns um, that we're really proud of. And I, I think a couple of examples is one, we did some work with a global candy brand where we asked influencers, it was an iconic brand, um, a little older, um, and try to revive it and create uh, social media campaigns for them. So we had them put these together as homework assignments, come to the groups, talk about it. And some of them then came to life with some tweaks and changes after the sessions. And I think those were really interesting because the influencers felt invested in it, but the brands were also really excited to have that kind of feedback and learning from the influencers. Got it. Really fascinating. And thanks for sharing that. You know, one of the questions I think a lot of our audience members might have is, you know, how 
you know, what are some of the, the key performance indicators or KPIs that show the success of such programs? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, right? Because it can be all types of different, um, everyone kind of sets a different KPI. I think what we really value a lot is the engagement that it's getting within the community and how people are responding to it, right? So like how they are influenced, how their followers are responding to the content that they're getting. And is it um, is it just as typical? Is it better or is it worse, right, than, than an average post or content that they're putting out there? And so we look at having it be perform at least at the same level or better than um, what a typical content would look like so that we feel like, okay, what does that mean to us? Well, it means that not only did the, the influencer do a great job with the content, but also that it really resonates with their followers. Robin, would you like to share a little bit? For us, you know, the, the the measures are a little bit different, right? So when we're doing um, programs with influencers for research purposes, you know, we're helping to fuel an innovation funnel that's a couple of years down the road. Um, what I would say is that at sort of our measures of success are how well those products do later on when they go to quant testing and when they are on the shelves. So, you know, the projects that we work on, we, we know we're helping our clients to produce innovation that's really driven by insights and that's sort of very future facing so that when those products get to the shelf, they really resonate well with consumers. They're exciting. They're the kind of things that are inherently shareable to other social media influencers when they see them because they're so on topic, right? They're so on target. So those are the sorts of um, measures that we look at as sort of the success of the actual products on the shelf, you know, when they make it to the shelf. Right. And, you know, uh, another question I think many of our audience members might be thinking about is, you know, as it relates to ROI, and you both of you kind of touched upon this uh, as it relates to the KPIs, how should food company executives be thinking about ROI? You know, so obviously, you know, when you have a tr traditional marketing campaign, you it could be, you know, cost per thousand impression, it could be, you know, number of units sold. And so, you know, should they be looking at ROI with influencer kind of marketing and research in, in a similar way? Or what could be some of the differences? Yeah, I think there are some differences in terms of overall impressions is, um, you know, great, a great number, but it's not really going to tell you a whole lot of data about who looked at your content. Did people like it? Did they engage with it? So I think you really need to dig deeper and and any anyone that you work with would be able to give you this data um, because it's all something that they're able to find on their channels or any network that you use. But it's um, you know looking at what what are the actual views of that particular piece of content, and then how is it engaged? So what are the likes, comments, shares? Um, you know if it's if it's a story, what are the stickers? What are the taps? You want to look at all of that data and and kind of say, okay, was this was this a campaign that went well? Was was it highly engaged? Was, was the audience receptive to it? And I think that's a really important piece in the overall ROI to look at just, uh, you know, I have a lot of clients that sometimes just want the sales piece. And to just look at that, I think is also a miss because you don't really know uh, how many times someone's got to see something before they're going to buy it. Right. And I, I think that becomes trickier. And I think you're also, when you start putting that message out to the influencer, you're going to get different content than if brand awareness is sort of your your big driver with the really nice to have is the sales piece, right? right. Um, so I, I think it's it's a it's kind of that, you know, working with them as more of a partner to get to ultimately 
the the sales piece, but working with them to get that engagement. Yeah. I think the way I would I would think about it is the type of work that you do on the especially on the R&D side and that level of engagement with influencer is that the richness of the data is so much greater than what than what one would typically see from a from a typical like social media ad, ad campaign through Facebook through LinkedIn um, and so forth. So, you know, I definitely see the the, the value in that, and um, and I'm sure clients that you've worked with also see that uh, that value as well. Taking a little bit of a step back here, um, I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on which companies um, that you see have been really successful in leveraging influencers and using social media effectively. Um, you know, any sort of examples that you could share would be really helpful. Yeah, I mean, I, I think kind of the common thread here, right, is that like authenticity and that communication and really talking to your customers and your and the influencers are also customers, right? So I think that um, some of the brands that I think have done a great job are, are Delta Airlines. I mean, they, they'll they retweet anyone and anyone to see they're having a great day on their plane or a bad day on their plane. And they're, and they're going to try to either make it better or they're going to amplify great content and just be happy and welcoming them back into the, the, the skies. Um, so I, I think that's just, it's great. It's cheerful and it's, it's answering everybody that's, so you feel valued when you're reaching out to them um, as a customer. And I, and I think in terms of a brand that I, I think is doing a really great job is King Arthur. They have an huge uh, following on Instagram. I think it's close to 800,000 followers. The content's beautiful. Um, they really have engaged with experts in their fields to create incredible recipes for them. But not only that, when you read through the comments, they're engaging not only with their customers, but they're also engaging with the influencers that have uh, created these recipes and kind of giving them the, that pat on the back that they deserve. And it, it just feels like a really great relationship that they're able to spread out than just a one-time post. It's, it's, they're, 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 you know, making it a, a longer term program. And I, I think they're getting that value. It continues to come around for them because of that work. And can you also share on the flip side and not to put any food company under the bus here, but, yeah. um, you know, what are some brands that have not done as great a job in influencer marketing or leveraging social media? Yeah. Robin? <laughs> <laughs> well, without calling out a brand, I will say that here are some of the things that we sort of see as misses, right? So um, for some of the brands, and especially some of the iconic brands that we've worked with, you know, it took them a long time to kind of get in the game. So not just, you know, they may have been engaging in social media um, programs, but their own house was not in order. So that's job one, I think, right, is get your own house in order. And that's good advice, right, across a lot of, uh, a lot of different areas. But, but I think, you know, the brands have to have their own social media channels and should be using them in, in an appropriate way. So, you know, they should be sharing content, you know, on a timely basis. When something is newsworthy, if they want to comment on it, to be really on time about it. So saying something a day late is, is worse than not saying anything at all oftentimes. So I think, you know, making sure that you're really using your own social media channels to the best of their ability. And then I think to Brooke's point, you know, looking for opportunities to engage in the conversation, like so many of the clients we work with and, you know, and again, a lot of big brands have great social listening capabilities. So they know, and they understand these conversations are happening, but they're not joining them. 
they're worried about joining them, right? And right. so there's an opportunity there to do better by be becoming part of these conversations, whether you're leading the conversation yourself from your own channels or whether you're looking at the people you're working with and commenting, you know, and retweeting and reposting things. I think there are a lot of opportunities for brands to do, you know, to do more there too. Got it. All right. Great answer. Um, so if a company wants to start the process of engaging with influencers, what are some pointers that you can share with our audience members? Yeah, I would say jump in. It's free, right? It's free, like Robin said, to start this dialogue, to start interacting with influencers on their social channels, to follow people um, and reshare content that is relevant to your brand. So I think all of that is like, how do you jump in and, and do it without costing you anything? That's certainly step one. Um, and a lot of what Robin shared earlier, I think in terms of when you do decide, okay, I want to do a campaign with influencers, then moving forward, finding those people that are believable, that they would, they are authentic brand ambassadors. And then once you found them and they've created this great content with you, share it. I can't tell you how many times that people, we've created these great campaigns and the brands don't share it. It just, it just dies there. And, and I think that's such a miss because not only is it free content for these brands, I mean, they paid for it, but it's additional content that they can now share. But the, it also says to the influencer, I respect you. Thank you for doing this great job. And you know what? I bet next time when you share their content and thank them for their work, they're going to do something for you for free because they want that relationship. And, and I think it's just like anything in life, right? You just need to kind of finesse that a little bit. And influencers are, are the same way. Yeah. And from a, from a research perspective, you know, I think engaging influencers early on in the process. So helping influencers to understand, tapping influencers to help you understand, you know, how is your brand being perceived? Are you being perceived as part of the conversation? You know, do, do people know what you're even doing? Because maybe there's innovation out there that you're just not amplifying. So there's an opportunity, you know, to engage influencers to learn about that. Like, hey, I didn't know that you guys were doing these things, but now that I know, I would love to be able to share that content. Or have you thought about sharing it in these ways? So I think, you know, first of all, using influencers to understand what you can be doing better with what you already have, and then using influencers for their ability to be predictive. So what do you see coming? What are the emerging pain points or the questions that you're getting from your followers? You know, what, what do, where do you see the trends going? So being able to kind of put that lens on things, you know, early on in the innovation process can be really helpful and meaningful. And then, you know, to Brooke's earlier point, you know, you have these influencers then who are really invested in your brand, who understand, you know, what your brand is about and are trying and, and, feel invested in the success, right, of your product. So they're they're likely to talk about your product or your brand and they love to and they can do it with a lot of heart because they have developed this sort of understanding and empathy and this relationship with the brand that they want to continue. Got it. Um, you know, the Food Institute audience, you know, re represents food manufacturers, food service, food retailers. Um, and I'm just curious, you know, based on your experience in working with many different types of brands, what types of food companies would most benefit uh, from working with with you and, um, you know, Power Moms and, and Robin at Jump Rope on influencer research and marketing? So from a from a research perspective, you know, I think it's both iconic brands and newer brands and iconic brands in trying to understand how to be more relevant 
in the modern changing world, right? And how to be more relevant, especially in this time, right? As we're emerging into, you know, sort of a changed reality, how, how have consumers' lives changed? How, what are their followers looking for? You know, I think in iconic brands, it really um, can do well to engage here and to understand sort of what does the world look like? And I feel like it's incumbent upon them to engage, right, from a research perspective. And then from a marketing perspective as well, I think it's really important for the iconic brands to engage here because the new brands know they need to be doing this. So the new brands, I'm sure, Brooke, reach out to you oftentimes for advice and guidance, you know, as they're trying to get into this, you know, this world. Um, but the iconic brands are more reluctant. And so they sort of miss the boat, you know, in, in some ways. And so I think, mm. you know, from a marketing perspective, it's really important for iconic brands to step up, to find the channels where they're relevant, to be talking to the relevant influencers, to be present in the relevant conversations. And I think it's a little harder for them, even though they have the money to do it. It's a little harder for right. them because they're, they're just unsure. All right. And for our last question, you know, if anyone wants to learn more about It Factor, what's the best way for them to, to reach you, uh, Brooke and Robin? Yeah. So you can go to our websites, powermomsmedia.com and jumpropeinnovation.com um, to get more information. We're also on LinkedIn. And this summer, we're going to be hosting a few conversations on Clubhouse, talking about all of these things and how brands can further work with influencers to get uh, consumer insights. Great. Well, I want to thank Robin and Brooke on coming on to the Food Institute program. Uh, I think that brings us to the end of today's session. Remember, if you're new to the Food Institute podcast, please follow, like, and share. If you'd like to learn more about Food Institute, please take a look at the links in our description to learn more about us and what membership could do for you and your company. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.